With a new year, we are um, looking at our vision uh, with fresh eyes. We're looking at some of the things that make us what we are as a community. And we're doing so in the context of relationships or time around table talk. Uh, Table talk was something that the early church was known for. People in the early church, they broke bread together. They sat around tables. They shared life around the table. They shared the Lord's Supper around the table. And they built relationship around the table. And as a result of that, thousands of people started coming to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Eating, uh, eating and sharing life around the table has been something that's been happening for centuries, but it's something that is kind of falling out of practice in our culture today a little bit. In fact, because of you know, television and busy schedules, sometimes we lose t- track of just spending the time around the table with those that we care about the most. Speaking of TV, have any of you seen the TV show... Um, the Middle lately in the last few years. Have you ever watched that ABC show, The Middle? Um, I received a clip from one of you here in the last few days I just thought was awesome. I had to share it with you. But it, speaking about you know, what it looks like to have time around the table when you're not used to it, take a look at this. Tonight, we're having a family dinner in here for a change. Dad? <laughs> you heard your mother. Everybody sit down. What is the big deal? We've eaten at the table before. I don't have a chair. (laughs) Huh. I guess we hadn't really eaten at the table since we had brick. (laughs) Not a problem. We have more chairs outside. Dad, why are we doing this? Uh, maybe your mom and I need to uh, talk to you. I don't know. Are you getting a divorce? (laughs) Let's see how this goes. how a lot of people eat dinner every night. They sit, and they face each other, and they ask each other questions about how their day went. Let's do that. So, what was your high and what was your low of the day? My low is right now. Fine. (laughs) I'll do it. My high is having dinner here with my family. My low is the comment that Axel just made. Sue. My high was that the guy who sits next to me in science saw me in the hallway today and seemed to sort of recognize me. Hmm. My low was that I was wrong. He didn't. The loser! <laughs> what did I say about sneezing words at your sister? My low is realizing that my family never bought a chair for me. <laughs> my high is that I can eat food right off the table. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. I want to change my low. <laughs> Can any of you possibly relate to that in your homes? You know, there was a few years ago, um, my wife had this idea. It was kind of similar to that. She just said, you know what, I'm tired of being the one who's always talking at the dinner table. So she said, I'm expecting you guys to come to the table prepared to share something. Talk. Share what's happening in your day. Now, for a flaming introvert like me, that was just like, oh, no. Now I've got to think of something else to talk about. Introverts don't do small talk very well. So I was literally getting to a point because I was scared that I was going to disappoint my wife. I would spend time during the day on my phone in a note app, like writing down things to talk about at the dinner table that night. And it was going really great for a few days until she caught me looking under the table. And she was like, what are you doing? And then the gig was up and then she was like, oh, just forget it. You, You don't have to do that anymore. Now, today we're going to talk about how we share life together from a story in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 9. I want to encourage you, if you would, to turn there with me, if you would. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can go on your smartphones to mygrace.church and you can find uh, the scriptures and the uh, sermon notes there. Now, 
so far, we've talked about how to connect and grow with God and with the people that we care the most about. But what about the other people in our lives? What about the people who are different than us in some way? I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to gravitate to people or to focus my time around others who I'm most comfortable with, right? Are any of you that way? We tend to find that we have all the most time for the people who are the most like us. But God shows us here, sometimes he brings relationships into our lives that aren't that way. In fact, what we're going to see today is that we grow most steadily as we choose to share life with whoever Jesus brings into them and not just those who are the most like us. Let me show you what I mean. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Thick people do. And then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture, which was from Hosea. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those who I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Interesting story, huh? You can find this story actually in three different places in Scripture. You find it in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, and Luke. I'm actually reading from Matthew today because and I picked this account because this is one that Matthew wrote about himself. Matthew is basically telling us about how Jesus totally changed the course of his life with one simple request. A lot of people's lives have been forever changed because of Jesus, but few lives have changed more radically than, Jesus, than Matthew's did. How did Jesus manage that? This is neat. Notice, notice how Jesus invites people into our lives who we don't always expect. Jesus invites people into our lives sometimes that we don't expect. I mean, Jesus chose to invite Matthew in to their circle of disciples. Someone that none of them in that circle had any kind of affinity with whatsoever. I mean, Matthew couldn't have been any more different than the rest of them, right? Matthew, for instance, Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus was a carpenter who chose to go into the ministry. Matthew, based on his job, was rich. Jesus, not so much. Jesus was homeless. Jesus was popular. He was followed by all kinds of people. Matthew, people ran away from Matthew when they got the chance, right? He was despised. He was avoided by pretty much everyone. Tax collectors were despised back then because they were hired by the king to collect taxes for them. And basically the kings or the Caesars would give them free reign to say... You can collect as much taxes as you want from anyone you come in contact with as long as you get me mine. And so they would abuse and take advantage of people all the time. Now, this booth that Matthew had in this story, it was in a very lucrative spot. It was along a lakeside in Capernaum, which was one of the main trade routes. 
in and out of that region, he's, if, he, if he does what Jesus is asking him to do, he is giving up a prime spot. And it would come at great cost to Matthew. But notice here in this passage, Matthew doesn't hesitate, does he? He doesn't look back. He left a life of wealth and security for one of poverty and insecurity. He did all that because Jesus invited him into a deeper relationship with him and others who were very different than him. Jesus, Jesus had a way of picking people to put together, didn't he? I mean, just look at the list of disciples that Jesus put together. He decided it was a great idea to put together a bunch of uneducated fishermen, a political hothead who decided he wanted to overthrow the government. That was Judas, the zealot. And now he thinks it's a great idea to add a despised tax collector into the mix. And Jesus doesn't just stop with sharing his life with Matthew. He goes and he sits around the dinner table and he shares life with all of Matthew's friends, all of these despised tax collectors and other disreputable sinners is what it calls them here. It actually uses the word scum. <laughs> These are the people that Jesus hung out with. Now think about this for a minute. Jesus is a respected teacher at this point, right? He's trying to, to gain a following. Did Jesus really think about what he was doing here? I mean, what's this going to do to his reputation? In that culture, when you sat down and you ate with someone, it wasn't just saying, hey, I happened to run into you and we're going to have lunch together. When you ate with someone back then, it was a reflection of who you were. And tax collectors, they were considered by Jewish society to be impure and unclean. You didn't even go into the house of a tax collector if you were a good Jew. That was a definite no-no because that was saying somehow that you were like them and you definitely didn't want to do that, much less eat with them those were not the people you'd hang out with so really i mean what was jesus thinking here when you look at the life of jesus what you see is that one of his defining characteristics was how he shared table fellowship how he shared life with people whom others chose to avoid people who didn't behave right People who ate too much. People who drank too much. I mean, there was a place in Scripture where people started calling Jesus a drunk and a glutton because of the people he hung with. Jesus even chose, get this, to hang out and eat with people he knew didn't like him. In Luke 11 and in Luke 14, we see Jesus accepting dinner invitations from the Pharisees. People he knew had ulterior motives that were trying to do him in. He set the example of how to not just share life with people who are like us or people who it's easy for us to get along with, but also people who are very different and even people who at times can be difficult to deal with. Why? Why do this? Because those relationships can be great at helping stretch us spiritually and cause us to grow. It's easy to hang around people who are like us, right? And we do that all the time. Sometimes those people who are closest to us, they can help us grow if they, if they speak up, if they speak courageously into our lives when, when they need to. But I can see, I don't know about you, but I can just see in this moment these disciples kind of gathering around and like, Jesus, 
this Matthew thing, really not a good idea. He's not like us. He's not going to fit in. He's not going to make us comfortable, right? But Jesus chooses to bring this tax collector into the mix to share life with them, to stretch them, to grow them, to make them more like the men Jesus wanted them to be. I don't know about you, but I've found the people who most make me like Jesus are the ones that I first tend to want to discount or avoid. They show me that I have some stretching to do. It's what I think about when I think about that biblical proverb that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's those rough edges that catch each other and make both sides smooth, kind of like a nail file does to a fingernail or sandpaper does to wood. Do you know what I mean? We grow more steadily, guys, when we choose to share life with whoever Christ brings into them, not just the people who are most like us. Jesus invited Matthew into his life with the other disciples. And over time, Matthew goes from collecting tax money to collecting souls for Christ. And he starts here with his old friends around a dinner table. Matthew, Matthew's life changed. And you know, even though it's not in Scripture, you know that all those disciples around Matthew, they did some changing too. As a result of Matthew being in their life. Being that different voice when they needed to hear it. I wonder this morning as I'm sharing these things, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart in any way. If he's bringing anyone to mind, bringing back maybe, bringing maybe any relationships to your mind. Are there, any, are there any situations, are there any people in your life that are just kind of like sandpaper to you? That they feel rough to you? People that you just assume avoid sharing any kind of life with? Could I be so bold this morning is to ask you to consider why that is? Why do we tend to avoid them, really? I mean, if they're not safe, if... If they're not, if they're not help, to help, uh, safe people to be around, you, you, maybe you need to set a healthy boundary to protect yourself from that person. I, I get that. I know there's been a time or two in my life when I've had to do that. I, when I've needed to be wise and protect myself. But I'm just going to be honest with you. More often than not, I find in those situations that that voice is really just an insecure David who's being triggered somehow by someone who thinks or sees life a little bit differently than I do. And while my natural tendency is to avoid that person, to convince myself how messed up they are, <laughs> if I can quiet down my own fear and inadequacy just a bit, more often than I would like to admit, I find that God's calling me to share life with them, to, to dine with them, and to grow with them. Yeah, hopefully in sharing life, I'll be able to help them grow too. But most assuredly, through those moments when I feel pain and a little bit of discomfort, I can accept that Jesus is at work in me, sharpening me, sanding down my rough edges because I need them. Jesus is a master at bringing people together 
bringing people into our lives that are just, just the right time to share life together with us. Because he sees the potential in every one of us that we can't even see. Which kind of brings me to my last point this morning. Jesus looks past people's present behaviors and he sees their future potential. I'm going to say that again. Jesus looks past your present behaviors and mine and those around you. And he sees in each one of us our future potential. Jesus, when you look at this story, Jesus doesn't excuse or ignore Matthew and his behavior, does he? He doesn't excuse the behavior of Matthew's friends. I mean, far from it. Jesus encouraged everyone that day to share life with people who know they have room to grow. Not just people who pretend to have their lives all together. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. He said, I want to be in relationships where those I can show mercy to, not just keep up appearances. Listen, Jesus can see the potential in every person because he knows that not only do they have a past story, we all have a past story, but Jesus can also see the unwritten future story in each and every person. We can't always see the ending to someone else's story. But we can trust that Christ sees it and he's pointing them in the right direction. For example, you you may tend to avoid someone that you know because he is annoyingly perfectionistic. Or maybe he's critical or negative. And maybe you don't know that person's background. Maybe that person had sky high expectations put on him as a child by his parents. And he hasn't seen the value yet in who he is. He only sees value in what he does. But in relationship, in sharing life together, some of the rough edges might get smoothed off. Another person that you might know, she might be aloof and distant. and she might, You might think she's a little bit stuck up and not know that she has been rejected so many times by so many people before you met her that she's just trying to cope. And yeah, maybe she's coping in all the wrong ways. And she has these high walls that she's put around herself to protect her. But as you spend time together around the table, you build relationship, then you build trust and doors open for lives to be changed. We can't always know how the full, we, always, we can't always know the full story of why some people are the way they are. We, we can't even always understand why we are the way we are, right? But what I'm saying is, there's always an X factor. There's always something that we don't know that's going on in that person's life that has led them to that place. And God's not content with them staying there either. God's taking them on a journey too, just like he is you. These aren't excuses. I'm not making excuses for these people in your life. But they're part of our stories. Stories that we hope to rewrite, that we hope to overcome through shared life together around tables like this one. Jesus knows what he's doing when he puts people together, though we don't always see or understand why. We just simply have to remain open, I guess, to what God is doing in our lives, listening and asking God who the iron is in our lives, who God has put there to sharpen our iron. I wonder this morning, how often do you choose 
to let your life intersect with people who are very different than you? How often do you choose to allow yourself to be in places around people who are even difficult to deal with in your life? Whether it be a co-worker who you may just want to avoid at the lunch t- table at the office or that neighbor that you've been meaning to ask over to your home for dinner for years but it, there's just something about that's a little bit weird and you're like, eh, maybe next month. Or maybe it's that person at that club or that group that you join and it seems like every time you're around them they just rub you the wrong way. And you're thinking, why in the world would I want to go grab coffee with them? What might God do to sharpen you, to sand down your rough edges as he brings those people into your life? Those people that you might easily just discount or avoid, just say, "Mm, no, I don't don't want them in my life. We don't know a lot about Matthew's life beyond this, but we we do know a few things from church history. We know that for 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus... Matthew shared the good news of Christ with people all over Jerusalem. Then about 15 years of that, he decided to start traveling to other countries and sharing the good news of Christ with people who were very, very different than him. He found himself, according to church history, in Ethiopia, where he died a martyr's death there. I mean, think about that. What a radical change in this man's life. Going from being a tax collector, from only thinking about himself to literally giving his life for people who were totally different than him. So, how will will your story get written? How will it be different? How will it be better through the experiences that you have, through those that you choose to share life with? We grow most steadily as we choose to share life with whoever Jesus chooses to bring into them and not just the people who are most like us. This morning, I want to wrap up our time by asking a couple of people up here on the stage and to share their story with you as well. Would you please welcome to the stage Crystal Lebano and Stephanie Peterson. Thanks for coming up. Now, as, as you guys are sitting down, could you tell us a little bit, uh, how long have you been at Grace? How did you find out about Grace? And are there any places that people might know you here at Grace currently? So I, I've been coming to Grace for about three years. I found Grace by driving up and down La Choya and seeing the different ministries out there that just really spoke to me. And you might have seen me around Grace. Um, I volunteer on the leadership team. Uh, we've participated in Friday Night Life um, because my husband and I are really passionate about marriage, so we've taught a few marriage courses. Um, my husband and I, are we've been coming for about five years. Um, we started when my son was six months old, just trying to find some place that was closer to our home. We were driving further away. Um, <clears throat> we do have a five- and a three-year-old, so we've helped some with VBS, and uh, we are in a life group here at Grace, um, and then most recently helping with a Space for Grace campaign. Cool. Now, around dinner tables like these, we typically share life with people who are very like us, who have the same interests, the same desires in life. Usually it's our families or the people that we're closest to. But I'm wondering as we start, can you think of any situations in your life where God's put you in relationship with someone who was very different than you? Maybe someone who stretched you in some way and how did God use them? 
I was really stretched in my very first small group experience. I actually registered to attend this care group and hadn't really thought about the people that God was going to put in my, in my path around that table. I was going because uh, Jeff and I were stuck in our relationship and we needed help. And honestly, I didn't want help. I, at that point, wasn't a Christ follower. And I showed up at this table. And of course, the small group leaders, they... They had a relationship with Jesus, and, and they just came around me and were speaking love and truth, and it was hard, and mm. I was angry, and I know that I was hard for them <laughs> as they had to keep <laughs> loving me gently over and over until um, I could really see that um, God's not just in my head. They really showed me that um, it's about a relationship and it was through that small group experience that was so tough that that's where I uh, accepted Christ and gave my life to him and mm. turned, it, turned our relationship around and put my life on a completely different trajectory. Um, I would say when I first read this question, my first thought was my family, my uh, just close family. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and um, it was really rough and abusive, and I feel like that was like a hard, a hard thing for me growing up being little, but... Through a series of events, at the age of 12, I was moved in with my aunt and uncle, and they were churchgoers, and I um, became a Christian at 12 shortly after moving in with them. So it was hard because I didn't really get to live life with my biological family um, in a place where I was a Christian. They weren't, so I could experience what that stretch was like. So I asked my husband, um, do you know of anybody now that I struggle with that's been really difficult? And he said, me. (laughs) Um, those are his words, not mine. And I was like, you know, you're right. You are difficult. Um, <laughs> I mean that in the sweetest way. No, my husband, <laughs> we met about 12 years ago um, when I came out as a summer missionary to work here in Tucson at um, a place called Caring Ministries. And if, if he and I had met at any other time in our life, we never would have dated or gotten married because we were just so different. And being in that setting, in that setting we were able to... Um, spend a lot of time with one another and get to know one another's hearts and and who God's created us to be. Um, But, you know, I came from a totally different background, obviously. Um, I was one of six children. My parents divorced when I was three, and I moved around with family members, and he was an only child, had his parents are still married today. So just having those different outlooks on life, different perspectives, God's given us completely different personalities. But what we found out over the course of our marriage, now coming up on 11 years, is that we are completely different and better people because those things have complemented one another. Um, And we respect each other's differences and and love that God made us different. So it's made us better Christians and, you know, it helps us to see others have different perspectives as not being like, well, we can't have that relationship because we see how blessed we are with having each other. So. Yeah. So how does it feel to know that Jesus is challenging you to f- consider following him and asking you to be in relationship with people who think differently, believe differently, act differently than you do. How does it feel? I feel excited and I feel sad. Mm-hmm. I feel excited because I, I love that challenge. I, re- I was realizing that one of my closest friends in Illinois, we've been here now for four years, she, I, I met her through a music class when our boys were babies, 
And as I got to know her, she'd never attended church. She had no background. She wouldn't even say Merry Christmas to me. She wouldn't even use that word. And I'm like, really? After we've been friends for this long? But what that taught me is that I have to really listen and just get to know her and figure out, you know, how can I express my faith and who Jesus is without being overbearing or pushy? And it just really helped put it in perspective, which I really, I'm excited about. I want to do that. I love to learn that way from others. And it's been a great relationship. I mean, still my closest friend, um, Mm there today. But what makes me sad is my circles right now are pretty small. I spend a lot of time with great leaders here at Grace. I work at a church outside for my part-time. I spend a lot of time. So I'm really looking forward to how God might stretch those circles. Mm. How about you, Crystal? Um, I would say the same. I, I became a stay-at-home mom about five years ago, and I think you know, as in those last five years, I'm mostly surrounded by Christian people or my friends and other Christian moms. Um, but before becoming a stay-at-home mom, I was definitely surrounded by a lot of women. I worked mostly with uh, pre-K and um, daycares, that kind of thing, so I worked with a lot of women, and I I can't think of one that really shared my faith the same way that I did, so it allowed me to um, talk about God and church events and things going on with the women's ministry and invite them to those things, which was really cool. Um, So I think now it's more about just trying to find those moments where, you know, not rushing through the grocery store, rushing through your day or at the school drop-off, but stopping, saying hello, and trying to find those moments to really um, express that you are a Christian and being open about that and seeing where God leads that conversation. Um, But on the other side of that, I mean, and I said this last service, it really has opened my eyes to, you know, I'm that person sometimes that puts up that wall and people will discount quickly because of the hurt I had in my life. So I think that being open to seeing people is not, maybe not always seeing them as that first impression, but loving them and getting to know them and breaking down that wall is really what's important because, you know, you don't always know what, why that wall is there. So. Yeah, that's right. And at Grace, you know, we are like many other churches where we just feel like it's so important that people are in those intentional relationships, also in community like this, a place of safety where we're going to naturally be around people who are very, very different than us, but we can grow and share life with. Now, I'm just wondering, do you, have you guys found that in your lives? Have you found a place uh, where uh, there's a life group, maybe at Grace, where those intentional relationships have stretched you in your life? And what does that look like for you? How might you encourage other people in that line? Well, Crystal and I are in life group together. And what I uh, love about that is over this last year, I've really worked hard to... I feel like we're, we're, we might be very similar, right? We're in the similar stages of life, similar with kids and school and such. But where it really stretches me is that I wanted to be authentic. I wanted to get to know each individual in our small group and really be able to share who I am and not feel that I had to hide. You know, it's really easy to get into a group or a circle of people and think... they don't want to know that or I don't want to share that with them I'm just going to hide that piece of me so I've been really intentional about being authentic and then what the life group has done for me is really help keep me accountable so Mm -hmm. I can I feel like I can share you know what this is my struggle and I'm going to share this with you so that you I know I know they come around and they'll pray for me and pray for that situation and support me and keep me accountable and ask me how is that going you know, how is your daughter doing? How is how are you following up with that? And just to be surrounded with that prayer and have that accountability has been, I don't have words, priceless. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I would agree. Yeah, we're in the same life group. So I, I think that it, may, it makes me realize that becoming a Christian, um, it, yes, it gives you a Lord and, and someone to go to and pray to and that hope 
that you didn't have before, but it doesn't get rid of your problems. And I think that comes around later and you realize, wow, I really need to be around those people who, who encourage me. But you have to do it in a setting where um, it's not just, oh, we're all believers and we're great and, and my day is perfect all the time. It's, it has to be around genuine people who are willing to open up and um, say what their, what their flaws are too and, and, and um, just really feed into you and pray for you and carry those burdens for you. So my encouragement to someone maybe who isn't in a life group is that um, I know for me I saw church as oh, they're all better than me because I grew up in this family. And my, and my parents, my biological parents will even say that today, oh, Crystal, you think you're better than us and you've got it all figured out. And the thing is, I don't. And if you are similar to when you're a Christian, that doesn't get rid of your problems. Being um, at the same church or in the same life group or having the same values and beliefs doesn't mean that we're all on the same level and see things from the same perspective. So what's neat is when you get in a group of people that are true and genuine and just raw with you, it really helps you to see, like, we're really in this together. And that gives me a space, too, to take that wall down and let those people see the true me and um, love me for who, you know, for my baggage or for how God's created me now. And they encourage me to, to keep going. So it's just incredibly important in my life. Yeah. Well, thank you for having the courage to share that this morning. Would you give him a hand? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time this morning, for us to sit around the table together as a, as a larger community and to talk about some of these things. Lord, you are teaching us so much these days through this time of table talk. You're teaching us how to have closer relationships with you, with those we love and care about, and now also those that sometimes we would perhaps avoid or not choose to spend life with. God, this story from Matthew just amazes me. Lord, you knew what you were doing when you put Matthew into the mix. He didn't know. None of the rest of the disciples understood what you were doing, but you did. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here today who perhaps have relationships in our own lives that are different. They're perhaps people who see life differently than we do or they approach relationships differently than we do. Some, perhaps even some people who are just difficult people to be around, Lord. Lord, in those times, I know for myself, it's easy for me to just want to run, just avoid. But Lord, you do so much to help us grow when you allow us to stay in the mess and to live there for a little while and learn from each other, to take the time to truly listen to the other person, understand their story, and to grow from it. God, I pray in the years to come, in the generations to come in this place, as people come through these doors, as they find community, Lord, I, it would just nothing would bless me more than to know that people would continue to be in relationship together, that they would be in small groups together, they would sit at tables together around meals at Alpha or around the blender on a Sunday night, and they share life together. They learn from each other and grow from each other. Lord, I know for some of us here today that's hard, and for some of us, maybe maybe you're here today and you don't even have a relationship with God that even that is an, an uncomfortable situation for you you've maybe thought about religion or you've thought about faith in some way and you've seen maybe maybe you're one of those and you, you've seen other people who have approached faith and you just think I, I could never be like that I don't even want to be like that and for you faith is more of a 
apprehensive thing. It's maybe even a turnoff sometimes and not something that you want to run to. But what would it look like for you if that's where you are to put religion aside and pursue Jesus? To pursue a relationship with this one who knows you so well, who knows your faults, your flaws, your rough edges, and is saying, I want to walk alongside you and help smooth those down. I want to put people in your life to help you be my hands and feet and smooth those rough edges off so that you can be the man or woman of God you've been called to be. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to take a step of faith, to take a step closer to Christ today. Maybe uh, be willing to accept Christ into your own heart and life today. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Heavenly Father, I... I come to you today and I confess that I'm like Dave described. I've, I've got these rough edges. I, I'm sure I do. I don't see them. I see everyone else's, but I, I don't usually see my own. But Lord, I just want to thank you for bringing me here today, for giving me a chance to sit with a community of other people who are also broken and trying to figure out how to grow, how to grow in relationship, how to grow closer to you. God, I ask that I could come to understand you And know you for who you are. And not just what other people tell me. Lord, I want to know you. I I want to pursue today a relationship with you. A relationship that perhaps could change my life as it did Matthew's. God, I ask that you would come into my heart even now and forgive me of my sins. Those times I have fallen short. And God, I ask that you would... As I confess that you are my Savior and my Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Begin to change me from the inside out. Use those people in my life that you bring in and out of it to help me look more and more like you. Verse in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.